Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. For look, darkness covers the earth, and deep darkness covers the nations. But the Lord shines on you. Nations come to your light, kings to your bright light. Isaiah 60, verses 2 to 3. We always leave our tree and lights up until Epiphany. My boarding school never went back until after January the 6th. I noticed that public schools went back on the 6th this year. Although the Magi didn't arrive at the stable to see the infant lying in a manger, the occurrence of this feast is placed just twelve days after the Nativity. It was probably more like two years later, because they went into the house and saw the child. Matthew 2, verse 11. For the liturgical church, it's all part of how we follow the history of our salvation through the year. I enjoy how everything comes together in that way, and how as Christians, we have a calendar that focuses on the whole story. Life is like that, and with two family birthdays this season, I'm very aware of the passing of time, and how we remain the same, despite changes in our skin, our health, physical abilities, our ideas and living situations, our essence, our imago dei, stays the same. The essential me doesn't go anywhere. I noticed this particularly when I met with some school friends I hadn't seen in decades. They were still so very like their 13-year-old selves. Although I felt I'd changed, I was told I hadn't, and I suppose the core of who I am remains constant. And so our salvation story gathered momentum from the thousands of years of prophecy, the Old Testament stories, the wanderings, the faithfulness, and the falling away, how it moved forward through the 33 years of Jesus' life to his death and resurrection, the truth of salvation hasn't changed with the passing of time. At Epiphany, Christ our Saviour was made known to the three kings and shone on all the nations. Aren't we blessed by that divine manifestation? Amen. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Sociable Homeschooler. My name is Vivian McNenny and I have the pleasure of your company for an hour this week to offer homeschool insights and delights from our household, where God is always present. I'm here to dispel any preconceived ideas you may have about what educating your children at home looks like. I talk to many mothers and fathers about how different homeschooling can be. Some are world travellers, others stay at home. Some are serious about their passions, others enjoy hanging out in a tree and thinking. For some of us, having our children around all the time can make us wonder what on earth we're doing. For the most part, a great deal of joy is found in homeschooling. I saw the light bulbs go on and was there for all the turning points in my children's lives. Speaking to some of the amazing parents during 2014 about the realities of raising a growing family on a single income and the danger of becoming 
our children's mum without a name or unique identity, or the risk of burnout if we forget to look after ourselves, has made me feel heartened that I'm not alone, and I hope you too have wrought courage from unexpected places to continue this journey with your spouse and your children for another year. With God and my family, I've moved in and out of my comfort zones, gained insights and delights along the way, and I'm here to share them with you. I'm broadcasting today from my flat in Garland, Texas. It's been a cloudy, chilly few weeks full of unexpected twists and turns that I can't wait to talk about. Each week, I entice a truly marvellous person to pop over and join me for part of the show. I offer intangibles like social media exposure, because I can't hand round bowls of Christmas pudding or pork cups of tea. I promise I would, if I could. My fearless guest joins me anyway to talk about aspects of family life which usually relate to homeschooling and always speak straight to the heart of parents who place the responsibility of child rearing above their highest joy. With me today is Shanna Godfrey, who's been a guest a couple of times before. She's a rocket scientist success in a man's world and a super mum who raises children of all ages, writes books and homeschools. So stay with me because today we're going to be talking about the unique challenges some of our children present to us during this God-guided journey. On the home front, I'll be going on about life, the holidays, more moving of stuff, cooking, birthdays, and how we've packed what seems like a year's worth of life into only the last two months since we moved closer to our children. Are you ready? We have quite a new tradition in our family. Due to circumstances, we've had to change things up at Christmas, not do what was the norm for many, many years. To keep our heads and our equilibrium, we had to let go of what we always did and not hang on like a bulldog to what we've grown very fond of doing. For the last four years, we've managed to survive and even enjoy the days of this oftentimes difficult season of high emotional stress and frantic juggling of schedules to iron out the logistics. This year went particularly well due to planning and cooperation and few man, a few mandates laid down by me. First off, we left the eight-foot tree in its box. Our flat wouldn't accommodate such a giant, so we put up just the tippy-top of the tree, and I hung it with chocolates. There was no dog or young children to strip it of its delight, so I was able to partake of the treats well into the second week of the holiday. Instead of piling gifts under the tree, reaching them up to the middle branches, I wrapped and placed them randomly around the living rooms. I was able to decorate the bare walls and make up for the lack of greens in this way, and offer enticement to my children, who are never too old to ooh and ah over a display of carefully wrapped parcels. I'd put an initial on the back of the gifts, so watching visitors eye the presents to see if they could determine whether it was theirs was fun. I outlined what my blue-eyed cowboy and I were going to be doing for Christmas Eve and the day, and expressed my desire for all of us to get together at least once during the holiday. Notice, just once, all together. That said, I invited them to let me know when they could join us in the festivities, and get their presents, and be fed. With all the availability safely arrived in my inbox, I settled on a time that was good for everyone. Some said all day Christmas Day, others said Christmas Day afternoon and evening, and they all said they could be flexible. The trick for us was we were prepared to follow through on our plans with or without the children, so didn't have a set time when we wanted everyone there. We really did leave it up to them. 
We settled on 4pm at the flat to celebrate and eat and make Jerry merry, and anyone could join us at any other time during the day. On Christmas Eve, we went to Mass at 5pm. Our oldest son was in from California and staying with us, so he came along too. We got there in plenty of time for seats, but obviously not early enough, and had to sit in the transept where we couldn't see the altar, but had a close-up view of the bishop when he climbed into the pulpit for his sermon. Hearing without seeing the fabulous choir reminded us of the Mass we went to at Canterbury Cathedral, where we were up in the gods in a side chapel sitting on the blessedly heated floor, listening to the choir as it moved around the sanctuary below. Rowan Williams was presiding that evening, ten years ago. It was our first and last Christmas with our English family. What a fabulous memory. We exchanged our traditional Chinese meal for a Thai feast, and we had a lovely evening with our oldest son, catching up with him after his, what, he'd been six months in California. We only filled two stockings this year, one for the son who awoke under our roof on that magical morning, and one for our teacher daughter. We left hers in her car at work, and she called when she found it and said, For just a moment there, I thought there was a Santa Claus. <laughs> that was funny. My guest this week, Shanna Godfrey and I, are going to be talking about how she homeschooled in the face of adversity. She is so experienced, it'll be interesting to hear her take on how to handle real life that isn't supposed to encroach on the basement or spread itself on the kitchen table. In past shows, we've already explored the myth that we thought we'd be immune to the secular world if we homeschooled. So, what does happen when life happens? Go and replenish your drink, and I'll be back in just a moment with my guest. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Mark Lipinski is coming to Toginap. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski. A live two-hour show Wednesday afternoon starting at 3, 2 central on toginap.com. Creative Mojo. It's fun, entertaining, informative, inspirational, and illuminating. Lipinski has worked on such shows as Oprah, The View, The Joan Rivers Show, and Ricky Lake. He's busy, but he's got the drive to share with Creative Mojo, dedicated to the modern crafter and crafting lifestyle. Dive into the info and enjoy everything from celebs to entertainment news to recipes, quilting and needlework, knitting, painting, woodworking, Christmas crafts, and so much more. This show boldly encourages you to discover and harness your own creative spirit by living creatively every day. For more on Mark and the show, check out MarkLipinski.com. Don't miss the fun. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski. Wednesday afternoon starting at 3, 2 central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Joining me today is Shanna Godfrey, a homeschooling mother of 14 and a successful scientist in the aerospace and defense industry, typically considered a man's world. Shanna was a gifted child who decided to wait to go to college and found herself cast in the role of a stay-at-home mother of five and foster mum to many. 
Shanna taught all her children to read using her own method, which she now markets as the Godfrey method, phonics books. Because of her parenting experience, Shanna can talk about just about anything, especially dealing with addiction, adoption, blended families, fostering, raising twins, reconciling science and religion, single parenting, working mothers, and much, much more. This afternoon, we're going to be chatting about how she managed challenges when homeschooling had lost its silver lining. Good afternoon, Shanna, and welcome to my show this afternoon. Hi, Vivian. Glad to see you again. Well, it's good to talk to you. It's been well over a year, and I'm sure with all of those children, there have been some changes during the year to your life. Tell us a little bit about what life looks looks like for you today. Well, uh, I adopted my 15th child in June. Now, before you go on, how old was your 15th child? <laughs> 38. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's good. At least you didn't have to go through all the diapers and the bottles. No, he had been my foster son from his ages 8 through 11. Okay. And then he had left my home and gone other places. And uh, we reconnected after almost 30 years uh, last year. I found out he had never been adopted, never got a family, just sort of aged out of the system. Mm-hmm. And my husband and I decided we were going to ask him would he like to be a permanent part of our family Mm -hmm. and he said yes so uh, we found a lawyer who was willing to do adult adoptions and um, that's the story well that's wonderful that is wonderful good and he doesn't have any children he does he has three children and so that added three more grandchildren to my coffers okay so tell us how many grandchildren you have I have 23 and three on the way. Amazing. How do you keep up with them, all the names and the birthdays? Oh, Excel lists. Thank goodness for Excel. <laughs> <laughs> I know you were saying there's, there's a birthday every month, and I thought, well, with 23, there has to be at least two birthdays every month. Right. Some months are doubled and tripled. <laughs> and what about Christmas? It must be crazy at Christmas. Oh, it is. It's crazy. I I try to give a certain amount to each family and and let the parents decide what to do with it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the best thing to do, I suppose. Now, do you have any children that don't have children yet? Oh, yes. Only six of my children have children. So more than half aren't married yet and and, uh, more to come in the future, I suppose. Yes, yes. So um, are you actually homeschooling any children at the moment? Yes, uh-huh. my 15-year-old son, River, okay. who has bipolar disorder. Okay. Um, actually, my husband does most of the homeschooling, but I do the math. Okay, because you're the scientist. <laughs> yeah, and my uh, algebra skills are a little more uh, up-to-date. <laughs> well, yes, because you're use- I suppose you're using them all the time. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And, um, okay, so what I want to do is I want to talk to you a little bit because I'm sure you've been hit with just about every challenge out there with all of your children and and your working and, you know, your husband sometimes homeschooling, you sometimes homeschooling. And I don't, I know we've talked about that in the past and you write and you, you present and you've got your book and so many things. And I know that you're so, you seem, when I, when I talk to you, you're, you're always so relaxed about the directions your children go in, directions that some of us might think, 
oh my gosh, that's the end. They're ruining their lives. And you come back and you say, oh no, because, you know, so many years down the line, this and this and this happened and everything turned around. It gives us hope. So, Shannon, tell us, first off, let's go back to the beginning when you started homeschooling and what your concept of homeschooling was. Did you think that homeschooling would be the answer to raising your children? They'd be safe. They wouldn't be tempted by what was going on outside the home, the secular world, the things that we're worried about that's going on in schools. Did you think that? Yes, um, I was concerned about their spiritual welfare, too. But I was also concerned about their academic welfare because I could see how public school could kill the love of learning and Mm -hmm. do many children a disservice and not help them learn their very best. And so um, I was concerned about the spiritual. I I am a faith-based woman, but Mm -hmm. I was also extremely concerned about their ability to um, maximize their potential, mm-hmm. which I felt like homeschool did that much better. So you, um, you've always homeschooled. Did you send them ever to a public school? Your children have they always been at home? I I have, and I've sent different children to public school at different times. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been times where I was going through a divorce and was a single parent and had to work, and I had to put my children in public school. I hated it, though, and so I made sure I supplemented at home. Um, as you mentioned, I taught all my children to read before kindergarten age, and uh, that helped put them on the fast track to be ahead, mm-hmm. to to feel successful from the very beginning and, and not fall behind, and that was important to me. But then when I could homeschool again, I did and uh, felt like that was very important, again, for academic as well as spiritual reasons, uh, because I could always get them ahead. And that was important to me Mm -hmm. that, you know, because I think IQ is is one part nature and one part nurture, but it's also inner motivation of the child. And so you need the the environment, you need a a good... uh, Genetics is only about a third of the equation, is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. And helping the children be motivated is important. And I see public school kill that a lot of times. Yeah, yeah. Now you talked about, um, how, you know, encouraging your children to, well, maximize their potential by homeschooling. What if sometimes this maximizing of their potential could be construed as perhaps rebellion as they're pushing that envelope just to see how far they can go? I mean, how how do you respond to that? Because with a lot of children, I don't know how many you would have perhaps under one roof at one particular time, but I'm sure it would be more than two. Um, yeah. How, yeah, how did... how how were you dealing with that, especially if some of them had, you know, been in the public school and were just out of the public school and were bringing home some of these thoughts and ideas that, ooh, you know, I wonder if I can get away with this? Well, you know, I have to admit, when I was younger, I would get into a power struggle with them, mm-hmm. maybe trying to prove I was right and they were wrong. Mm-hmm. But I learned that that's not the way to go, and it really doesn't ever convince them, uh, you know, the the might is right or I'm older or whatever mm-hmm. um, doesn't doesn't really convince them. I think the best we can do is try to keep our own ego out of the equation and just teach 
true principles and teach what we believe, and then they have to kind of choose for themselves. And that's the hard part, Vivian, is to let go. But what I have found is quite often they will seemingly fall away for a while, and then as they grow up and mature and life's experience smacks them in the face, they come back around to those basic teachings that we gave them. Um, I've had a couple of very rebellious daughters become very faith-based now and are raising their own children in a faithful environment. And for a while there, I never thought I would see that. So we just have to trust if we teach them with love and let go at the appropriate time as they're nearing adulthood, uh, we just have to trust that they will come back that they will learn sometimes the school of hard knocks, and we mm-hmm. hate to see that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, you say that they will be like that for a while. They'll come back after a while. Can you give us an idea of what you mean by that? Several <laughs> years or just a couple uh, of months? It, or? it depends on the child. Some children always keep their faith. Some children seem to understand the truth. Some children are, are born more mature spirits, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. than others. Each one's different, and they come into their own differently. I have some who haven't come back yet, but I have a large, uh, you know, group in my sampling here. Yeah. <laughs> so we, I've got a little bit of everything, I suppose. Some never stray. Some stray a little bit, and some really stray, and you worry But one thing I can say is that they are all decent human beings who um, are good citizens and maybe they haven't lived everything the way I think they should, Mm -hmm. but they are also not out there being totally reprobate or uh, criminals or drug addicts or, Mm -hmm. you know, deep things I used to worry about. So there's some good basic foundational core values in them, even if they aren't all living exactly my ideal. And, and that's, um, that's the key, isn't it? Your ideal. You're living your ideal. Let your children live theirs. <laughs> you want it to be yours. <laughs> right. And I've also had to learn, Vivian, to shut my mouth with the grandchildren. Um, mm-hmm. It's hard to do because I do know better, and I know I know better. <laughs> I've lived through it. I've experienced it. I've seen if you do this, this will happen. But sometimes I have to let my adult children parent their own way. Plus, they've brought a spouse into the mix who was raised differently. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I just have to bite my tongue. And I've learned that the hard way, too. Mm. As long as the children aren't being abused or neglected, I just need to keep myself out of it. Yeah, yes. Well, and I suppose we do learn that eventually, but, you know, some of my listeners might be just starting that. They might just be letting their children or saying goodbye to their children going off to college, you know. Did you ever have a time when, you know, we, we maybe we require our children when they're at college to belong to a Bible study? Um, maybe they're not even in 
um, <clears throat> well, a, a Christian college. Maybe they 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 opted to go to a secular college where that kind of thing is a little bit different. But the Bible study itself backfired. The, you know, the youth ministers or the youth themselves were very liberal, and you know they're reading the Bible, but gosh, you know the, what they're getting from it is wrong. And you're going, oh my gosh, these are their peers, and they're listening to them, and they're doing something that you know sort of could be good, but it's not. Well, um, I have always had my children in a uh, high school seminary program, mm -hmm. um, and you can do this seminary uh, home study also, mm -hmm. uh, which my son I'm homeschooling is doing right now. Mm -hmm. And all I can hope is that as they study the scriptures on their own, and they feel the stirrings of the Holy Spirit or whatever, or they they feel the... Um, their own faith grow and that they that they will remember that later when the challenges come when their peer pressure comes and for the most part they do i've had some who have dabbled in drinking and whatnot mm -hmm. um which i don't agree with mm -hmm. but uh i've had some of them leave that and come back to their faith mm -hmm. and uh some are still struggling with it so but there's always hope There's always hope. Each person matures at their own rate. But I think if you give them the foundation, um, you have to let them choose their way. If they hear another viewpoint, they have to decide for themselves. I guess you have to trust that God has them in his hands and that you've done everything you can for them to internalize his word. And sometimes they have to find their own way. Now, if you didn't do any effort at all and you just left it up to the world, then, um, you know. That would be trouble. <laughs> <laughs> then maybe you, maybe your hope isn't as great as it could be. But yeah, you, um, if you know you put the effort in, yeah. you just have to let go and let God. Yeah, you, you reap what you sow. And I know for myself, I didn't want to be a Bible-bashing mom, but we did a lot of Everything we did was, you know, um, blanketed by by prayer. You know, the moments of our day and and things that we were um, embarking on, and you know, my children, uh, you know, embraced that wholeheartedly, but not exactly the same, the same fervor. But I, I was a mum, and I had four children, and I was, you know, I was I was raising them in the faith, and watching them. Having been raised in the faith is is a different situation, especially as none of them have children yet. Right, yeah. and a lot changes when they start having children, Vivian. Mm -hmm. uh, suddenly, when they're responsible for another human being, it, it changes their whole outlook. Mm -hmm. um, so, so don't you know? Don't worry. Um, I I think sometimes. I tend to show my children the world on purpose, a little bit of the ugliness out there, because I don't want them to, um, now not a lot, I'm not saying a lot, but we, we discuss things, we discuss social issues and things that are wrong out there, because I don't want them going off to college and being a lamb among the wolves. I want, how, how does that scripture go? I want them wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Mm -hmm. And so I guess I want them aware so they know what to avoid. So I guess I haven't coddled them as much as maybe some people do, um, but that's just me. Well, 
We need to go on a short break right now, Shanna. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about, um, you know, how how you would encourage younger mums who might go, oh my gosh, what am I what am I up against? You know, I've got these preteens, and already they're starting to chomp at the bit. So um, let's go on a, a really short break, and we'll come back and we'll tackle that in the next half. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lippman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. Right, I'm back with Shanna Godfrey. Shanna Godfrey has a lot of children. She has now 15 children that are all Godfreys, except for the girls who are married. And they've changed their names, I'm sure. Yes, they, they all changed their names. Very traditional. Right. They, they have. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. All right, now you you talked a little bit um, just before we're going on a break about showing them a little bit of the world on purpose so that your children didn't go off to college as a lamb among the wolves. Specifically, how did you do that? You you mentioned, you know, sort of slightly about, you know, talking about issues. Was it with movies, newspapers? How did you do that? Well, for the most part, we avoid R-rated movies, and, and we avoid most of the PG-13 movies and that kind of thing. I do try to shield them from a lot of that. However, mm-hmm. um, I like to watch the detective shows like Law and & Order and mm-hmm. things, mm-hmm. And, and a lot of bad things happen on those, and we talk about it. I don't just shield them from what's out there in the world that way um, uh, because a lot of those issues um, in those shows uh, – were taken from ideas, you know, from real things in the headlines. And so I want the children aware of what drugs can do to you, what um, what kind of evil is out there. Uh, not, I do not want them to be afraid. I want them to be prepared mm-hmm. and to know that if they have a struggle, they can turn to the Lord mm-hmm. and put their hand in his and ask for help. And that uh, I tell them, Nothing's too big for Jesus, and nothing's too small for Jesus. Um, so they know where to go for their help when these struggles come, or or where to get their strength when they are faced with something. Um, but just to be aware, to not be totally shocked when they get out there in the world. Um, 
I also, you've probably heard of 10 fingers. I really like to do the 10 fingers. Um, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, and remind them if they're faced with something, do your 10 fingers, mm. one finger for each word. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I haven't just, I haven't completely shielded them, but I have, you know, for the most part, like I said, uh, we don't allow any kind of pornography in our home. We don't do R-rated movies, that kind of thing. Neither my husband or I drink. Um, but I just, I didn't want them to be such innocent, total, complete innocence when mm-hmm. they get out. Mm-hmm. Now, um, the volunteering, did you did you do volunteering? I know some homeschooling families maybe volunteer at a... Um, what is it, a, a pregnancy, teen pregnancy places? And um, did you do anything like that? Uh, no, I, we haven't done anything like that. But my children are all very aware of how my different adopted children and foster children came to me and mm-hmm. why mm-hmm. and what issues brought them to me. And um, they're aware of the effects of teen pregnancy and they're aware of the effects of addicted parents or abusive parents um, we're, we're very open and talk about these kind of things and, and uh, yeah yes yeah, so you've, you've got the results of maybe some of those major mistakes living under your roof so you know that that would be a good lesson in itself wouldn't it it is and yeah. it is I think my kids are maybe a little more um, mature or wise some of them than than their peers just because of the things that you know, that we've lived through as a family. Yes, yes. All right, so how did you how did you deal with children? We talked about your adult, the adult children, and really once they've left home and decided to make their own decisions and perhaps they're not dependent on you anymore, or at least they don't think they are unless it's a dire emergency when they call and say, I, I, I need money or whatever. Um, when they're still under your roof and you can still step in and... Um, well, I don't know, intervene, I suppose, running interference. How, how, did you, how did you do that when, you know, like you're, you're 12, seeing, the, seeing the, the beginnings of perhaps a behavior that might lead down the wrong path? We talked about having those once they've left home. But what about within your family surely you've got children who say i'm just not going to do bible with you anymore because i don't i just don't believe that anymore or um sneaking maybe sneaking out at night i don't know if you've ever experienced that what how how (laughs) (laughs) all right so i mean how how do you deal with it when it's happening under your roof well vivian there are certain things that are not negotiable and i'm the mom Mm -hmm. not their best friend Mm -hmm. I've seen parents make the mistake of trying to be their child's friend and just allowing too many things to go and their child gets herself and himself in trouble. Mm -hmm. Bottom line is I'm the mom. And as long as they're still minors, Mm -hmm. there are consequences and there are rules. And I had one daughter who I did catch sneaking out for the umpteenth time. Mm -hmm. And, um, Maybe I shouldn't admit this, but I had her sleep on the bathroom floor. It was carpeted in front of the sink, and Mm -hmm. she had a pillow and a blanket. But it was the only room in the house with no windows she could climb out of. Uh. So for one night, I put her in the bathroom and tied the door shut. 
Um, she was fine and safe, but I had to let her know I could not let her flush herself down the toilet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That she meant that much to me, that it was important to me that I save her from herself until she got old enough. Now, it only took once, and she straightened up pretty mm-hmm. good. But, mm-hmm. um, but I think the key is to keep anger out of it. You know, I'm trying to do what's best for you because I love you and I care about you without being in a rage. And that's the hardest part, but that's the most important part. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are rules, uh, but I tried to let them make choices within the rules. For instance, one of my rules was you have to dress modestly. Mm-hmm. You can't dress like Britney Spears. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I didn't ever lay out their clothes for them or tell them what they had to wear or say uh, that doesn't match, or you need to do this. I They had all the freedom in the world to dress however they wanted, as long as it was modest. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's kind of what I would tell them. You know, I have this little fence of guidelines to keep you from jumping over the cliff. Mm-hmm. As long as you stay in the fence, you have all the freedom in the world to choose whatever you want. And, and how important, Shanna, is it for both you and your husband to be on the same page when this kind of thing goes on? Because there's going to be one of you that isn't quite as strict, you know, one that's the disciplinarian, the other one that's the the pure nurturer. And sometimes that makes for a difficult situation within a family. So what? how did you deal with, with that? You know, that is true. Um First thing I say to my children is, well, did you already ask your dad? What did he say? <laughs> uh-huh. uh, my, I think, I think parents need to um, reach an agreement on how they're going to deal with children who are trying to negotiate <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or pit them against each other. And Reed and I both sort of say, well, did your mom already say something or did your dad already say something? And we kind of defer to whoever made the first decision. If we can, if it's not something, you know, horrid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, if they didn't have all the facts, that's some of it. They don't have all right. the facts. You know, you already have known maybe from being with them most of the day what's been going on to lead up to this. And they ask dad and dad goes, well, that sounds reasonable. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, and my son, my 15-year-old son likes to tattle all the time. Mom, dad <laughs> wouldn't let me do this. Mom, dad, that. And I just look at him and I say, well, then that was dad's decision. Mm-hmm. And I support it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he still tries. My son mm-hmm. still tries. But mm-hmm. I always support dad and say, yeah. well, sorry, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I agree with dad. Yeah. Um, so right from the start, you really need to get on the same page, perhaps over just key, just key mm-hmm. issues of maybe faith, morals, you know, you, you said that you don't, neither you or your husband drink, you don't watch R-rated movies or PG-13, I agree with you, or um, have pornography in your house, so that, you know, you have your key issues and maybe parents need to find their key issues and that's what they stick to and then maybe there's some grey areas for, for some of the others. Or they need to compromise, um, but I think they need to reach that compromise together uh, when something comes up to discuss it together, to be a unified front to mm-hmm. the children. Uh, there's some times when I don't exactly agree with my husband, but I can see if it's important to him. Then I just say, okay, 
and let it go. Um, but I think I think being a unified front is important because if the children see the parents constantly arguing over these issues, uh, first of all, the children feel insecure. Second of all, they're pretty clever. They know how to use that. Yeah. So I, I think they need a unified front. Um, it w- I might have to compromise a little of what I think, mm-hmm. you know, and that's always hard to do to give up my part of the control. But if I want him to compromise, I need to compromise a little too. I mean, it's a two-way street, you know. Yes, and you were, you were saying that when you were younger, you know, your reactions were, were different to when you were older because you were able to then look back and see, okay, well, I can see the same kind of situation going on here and, you know, it wasn't really, you know, as bad as I thought it was going to be. So you can kind of mellow a little bit as you get older, more experienced. Right. I think as I've gotten older, I've given my children more choices, Mm -hmm. um, become much less controlling, Mm -hmm. been able to see that, um, that I don't need to be a micromanager. I need to let them have choices. They need to learn how to choose. They need to learn how to have, to accept the consequences Mm -hmm. of their choices. Mm -hmm. I had one son um, who would always tell me, I can do what I want. Mm -hmm. And I said, but you don't get to choose the consequences. Mm -hmm. And he didn't like that, but that's the truth in life. We go out there in life, oh, sure, you can do what you want, but you don't get to choose the consequences. Mm -hmm. Your boss might not like it. The policeman might not like it. Your girlfriend might not like it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Exactly. So, Shanna, can you can you um, tell us what was the worst moment for you during your homeschooling years? Have you got Have you got a, you know, a time when you thought, oh, I just cannot do this anymore? And it might have been, you know, because you were going through a divorce or because, um, oh, I don't know, unemployment or whatever, or any other situation when you thought, nope, this just isn't working. Um. Actually, this is probably a very difficult one that most people won't have, and I pray most people don't have. But in um, 1990, my eight-year-old son died. Oh, yes. And uh, I could not homeschool for a while after that, Vivian. And I'm ashamed to say that, that I, I feel bad about that. But if you've never been through a pain that raw, mm-hmm. you don't understand how bereft you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I guess what was going through my head at the time was I put so much time and effort and energy into this child and then he was taken. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just can't do that. It, it took me a while to get over that feeling of what if I invest in this child and she's taken or he's yeah. taken. And that was very difficult for me, and and it took me a while to, uh, well, going through the whole grief, uh, grief steps. Yes, and how how did that affect your other children? Did you homeschool them during that, or did you put them into school, or what happened? I ended put up putting them back in school for a while, mm-hmm. um, and my marriage fell apart shortly after that. Uh, partly because of that, partly because of other issues in my first marriage. Um, You know, and so, and then I, so very quickly after that, I became a single parent. And so um, it it was just a time where I had to heal me for a while. Yeah. 
and I couldn't deal with that. Yeah. Um, but as far as other stressors go, oh, sure, there's been times I wanted to pull my hair out. Um, I have to negotiate with my uh, my ver- my stubborn children. We have to negotiate. My ones, my son now, we have to reach an agreement where today he's going to do his schoolwork because he wants to play on the Wii. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> because I found the bargaining with him is better than um, having an argument or a threat. Yeah, uh, yeah. But he has to kind of earn his privileges, and that's how we kind of get him to do his schoolwork. Um, I probably told you this on a previous uh, uh, radio show that we did, but I really like what Hartman Rector Jr. said about avoiding mommy burnout. And so we're doing this now. He says that um, 20 minutes a day with mom is worth six hours in the classroom with the teacher, and studies have proven this. And uh, he says, we as parents don't need to try to run our home school like a public school. Um we only need to really do lessons maybe Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, maybe only from two to four hours a day. He he uh, suggests that Monday be used for chores and for learning to cook and learning to clean and help up and be a vital contributing part of the family mm-hmm. and clean up after the weekend. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. And then Friday is a great day for field trips and things. We use Friday for library day. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband takes my son to the library, and he gets to spend an hour on the library computer uh, doing whatever he wants, and then he looks for books and things. Mm-hmm. At this point, he's just interested in comic books, but I don't care because at least he's reading something. Yeah. He finds lots of different fun comic books at the library that he can check out. Yeah. Yeah. And so we have found just by uh, not trying to run it like a public school eases the stress a lot, not trying to put these ridiculous burdens on ourselves mm-hmm. um, and make it more fun and more flexible. Because uh, I, I think it's really important that as mothers, we're not burnt out and that we're enjoying the process. Absolutely. And you just found this out or have you been doing this for a lot of years or is this the first time you've been doing this um this time around the first time i've been doing this my sister who homeschools her five children i believe you spoke with her yes i did i did uh, yeah leah uh, she told me about this interview hartman rector jr had done with jill kinmont who's in charge of the um, utah homeschooling group uh-huh. and when i read the interview i was so excited i'm like this is a great idea wow, yeah, yeah this is wonderful well, that it does. It sounds it sounds marvelous, and and trying to slow down. One of my guests said, especially during December, mothers add twenty percent to what they're already doing in December, mm-hmm. and that that's without trying to homeschool as well. You know, so right. we we used to take the whole month of December off, and even now, when I when most of my children are just kind of independent. I'm looking at December and thinking, oh, my gosh, I, I'm just having to let some things go <laughs> because right. there's so much to do. Well, and that's the wonderful thing about the flexibility of homeschool. I know some parents maybe worry, are my, am I doing enough? Are my kids going to turn out okay? But my son has sleep issues mm-hmm. um, with his bipolar meds and his cycles, his bipolar cycles. And so he doesn't get up until 11 or 12. Mm-hmm. 
And we let him sleep in as long as he needs, and then we start school. And he does some of his schoolwork at night. Mm -hmm. Like he prefers to do his reading and his seminary after he's gone to bed for the night in his room. Mm -hmm. And uh, the homeschool gives us that flexibility with him. Also, my husband loves to fish, and he has taken him on fishing trips with him. And he's turned the whole fishing trip into a homeschool um, uh, experience. Mm-hmm. They've discussed wildlife and looked up the wildlife th- they've seen and found. Mm-hmm. They've discussed the geography, different places, what states they went through. Um, they checked out books about these things that they've done and seen on their fishing trip. And my husband's just turned the whole thing into a uh, a learning by observing kind of lesson, mm-hmm. plus they enjoyed fishing together. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, being a little bit more focused and, and, and there instead of just fishing and just chit-chatting about nothing in particular, just to make it into a, a complete experience, a whole experience. That sounds lovely. Yeah, they saw all kinds of wildlife going through um, the wilderness areas, uh, for the rivers and streams through Idaho, Montana, Wyoming. Wonderful. They, they had a great time. And because because he's homeschooled, my husband could take him along and do that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's wonderful. Well, Shanna, sadly, we've come to the end of our time. And once again, you gave us a very inspiring um, conversation and very um, uplifting outlook on how our children are going to turn out and not to worry too much if they um, don't seem to be going the way you want them to go. I keep saying to my husband, you know, one, it's their life, and two, God is in charge. If you, the little analogy, if when you have a child and you hand your child over to your dad or your mom to look after for the weekend while you go away, you don't spend that whole weekend worrying about if you whether your child's going to be safe and looked after, so why can't we do that with God? You know, with our children, hand them over to God, and then just stop worrying, love them, enjoy them for who they are. That is an excellent point. Can I say one last thing to that, please? When we were deciding whether or not to adopt a baby um, back in nineteen ninety nine, my husband prayed about it, and I said. So, so what did the Lord tell you? Uh, my husband's very close to his spiritual feelings, and he says, well, the Lord told me none of our children really belong to us. They all belong to him, and it doesn't matter how they get here. It's just reminding yourself that you, you know, just trust him. Trust God. And then, and it doesn't mean we can sit back and do nothing. As you said, if you've not put an awful lot into their faith foundation while you're raising them, then, you know, <laughs> you're going to reap what you sow, and so are they. So as long as you feel as though you've, you know, you've worked really, you know, sort of done your best at showing them how to live and, and you know, being good examples, then, you know, your children will eventually remember we may not be alive to see it but um (laughs) well i've been talking to shanna godfrey a homeschooling mother of 14 children who as you heard has lots of experience dealing with all kinds of children their unique talents and gifts which sometimes get confused with the rebellion and willfulness that we experience in in our real lives you can find her at 
godfreemethod.com, which I've linked at the Sociable Homeschooler and on my Toginet show page. Today we talked about some of the more difficult moments around our kitchen tables. I know Shanna brought you a measure of confidence that what you're doing is right and you found encouragement and strength from what she had to offer. I know I did. And further testimony that God is with you every step of the way. Thank you for joining me this afternoon, Shanna. I hope you have a great weekend and continue to enjoy all of your grandchildren. Have a happy new year. Yes, thank you. You too. Bye. Bye. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Get ready to live la bella vita with Dawn Catherine on Toginet.com. Live la bella vita. If you're wanting to know all the beauty tricks of the trade and the latest fashion trends before everyone else, this is your show. If you admire celebrities' beauty and their fashion sense, this is your show. Do you love wine and want to know more about the process it takes to make wine from the vine to the bottle? This is your show. Live La Bella Vita. For more on the show and your host, check out our website, labellavitacosmetico.com. This is the kind of show you can sink your teeth into. If you enjoy traveling and food and family, all with an Italian flair, then you can live La Bella Vita with your host, Dawn Catherine. Wednesday nights at midnight, 11 p.m. Central, on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. Shanna always makes me feel better when I start to worry about what my children are doing with their lives. In the end, I have to acknowledge that their lives are theirs to lead as they see fit. And if I've done a good job at equipping them with good moral values, they'll be all right in the end. I always enjoy my children's company, and this Christmas was no exception. We spent the day doing what we enjoy doing best, going to see a movie, joined by the married couple, then popping in on the in-laws where we met up with the rest of the family and were all officially together for the remainder of the afternoon and evening. Back at our place, we mingled and chatted, took the customary photo under the tree Dawes held it up for us, distributed presents in a scavenger hunt kind of way, taking it in turns to gather a few and hand them out in the hopes that the gatherer also found one for herself. It was a lot of fun, and the Marids, who had just downsized to a tiny house, were very creative in the redistribution of their wealth. They gifted us with DVDs, homemade goodies, books, and board games. Then we all cooked Indian food. The oven was on the blink. It was had a short in it and will only come on if it's pulled out from the wall. We still haven't had it fixed. Never mind. We managed to get it heated and baking and the meal was absolutely delicious, even though it was halfway out into the kitchen. <laughs> we had a non-family member with us, Dort's boyfriend, and he was bowled over by the complete departure from turkey and stuffing with all the trimmings. 
enough said about Christmas. Here we are in the new year and for me it's the longest month of the year. January always seems to go on and on. We're house hunting and the going is slow also. I had no idea it would take so long to find property or a home well, that suited us and our budget, but it is taking a while and I keep telling myself I'm exactly where God wants me, but it doesn't keep me from worrying and wishing that things would hurry up. As I mentioned, our filmmaker son visited for 10 days and stayed with us on the sleeper sofa we brought on trial. Has anyone ever found a sleeper sofa that is really comfortable? We had a couple of meals together and managed to record with him for one of his podcasts. He had a lot of family and friends to see, so he was spread a bit thin. And saying goodbye for him brought with it the angst of leaving all over again. We weren't here in June when he left the first time we were in Florida. He told us it was worse than when we left to go to England for a year in 2011. That heartened me because, you know, as a parent, one worries about how one's actions impact the children. He said nothing changed for them. Their life continued here in America while ours changed in England. But when he left for LA, everything changed for him. It was those he left behind that carried on regardless. I told him that he does have a choice. At least he isn't being forced to go to another state under threat of being imprisoned or sent to the depths of Siberia. I remember thinking that being stuck in a rut or unable to move beyond my comfort zone was directly related to location. If I could just move to another city or country or continent, things would be different. While I now know that it's not true unless there is a change in mindset, all the stuckness will move right along with me. But we each have to find this out for ourselves. Ian living in LA is probably a good thing right now. Mentally, he believes he's in the right place and has more opportunities and is doing what he really wants to do, unlike some of his friends, both here and in California, who do a lot of talking about what they want to do, but not a lot of doing. However, he'll learn that if he really wants to be back among the community here in Texas that he's comfortable in, he can do that and still achieve the dreams he has because the world is so much easier to navigate with the web of communication spanning continents and oceans. He said he'll miss all his friends and his family, but the people he'll miss most is us. That was lovely to hear and heartwarming because I don't think I could have said that about my parents. My dancer Dorts, on turning 23 last week, said to me, 2014 was not my year. I agreed, but I do think it was a wake-up call for her that not everything always goes as planned. Life is not a fairy tale, and sometimes work eclipses play. I think I've raised my children to want to work for a living, not live for work. I think they're learning that they can lower their financial needs by simplifying and not hankering after possessions just because retailers tell them they've got to have it. I know my married son enjoys downtime and his wife finds it hard to take time for herself on a daily basis. My youngest gets stressed when she can't take time for herself, when she can't have just one day a week when she's not expected to do anything. Sometimes she admits she won't let herself relax and do nothing. We are our hardest taskmasters. I tell all my children to listen to their bodies because if they don't get into the habit of de-stressing, when they reach their 40s, a long time away for them now, their bodies will rebel. 
I've said that I could get consumed with writing, but I do have natural breaks in my day when I have to get up from my desk. Otherwise, I'll feel guilty that I've neglected my health. The four things I have to do each day besides pray and write are yoga, lunch with my blue-eyed cowboy, a long walk, and watching 45 minutes of a BBC drama in the evening again with my cowboy. Apart from that, I am free to write, though recently other things have crept into my writing time, not into my down moments, like looking for property, shopping for presents, helping with the tiny house, moving furniture, rearranging our storage garage, making beer, entertaining, reading, and going to see movies. So some of those are fun. Some of those are hard work. All of them involve family, though, and I love doing that. And I said beer making, didn't I? Well, it sounds like fun, and it is. We have a brew on the go of dark chocolate stout in the cupboard. At first, it didn't ferment at all. We'd follow the instructions, but something went wrong with the yeast. We went back to the beer shop and were told, no worries, just throw in another couple of packets of yeast. And hey-ho, Horatio, it started bubbling like crazy for a few days. Then we racked it, which means transferred it to another container, and we let it stand for a few days, and now it's ready for bottling. More racking, a quick stir-in of sugar, and we'll have beer all ready to drink. Maybe wine next, although our brewing son says that that takes a long time. But we have patience now that we're older. Well, that's me for yet another week. We're taking back the sleeper sofa. It was not comfortable as an alternative to a bed. I think in the end, the old-fashioned trundle beds may be the best bet. But for the moment, Dortz is parking her bed here while she decides what to do with her life this year. And that's the story for another week. I've got dinner with my reading group later to choose our books for the year and plan our annual writing retreat in New Mexico. And I've some redistribution to do in the closets to make more room for some of the items in our garage that need to be inside. Thank you so much for listening to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNenny, and I'll be back same time, same place next Friday, which just happens to be my five-year anniversary. So get out the bells and whistles. Without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband, who believes in love at first sight, our four children, who are the result of that belief, the hard-working staff at Toginet Radio, my producer, Casey, my returning guest this week, Shannon Godfrey, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Hannah, Joel, Anne, Rosemary, Kathleen, Esme, Millicent, Margaret, Jacob, Walter, Jane, Olivia, Tina, and oodles of others who are part of my growing audience. Stay tuned all the time and catch lots of great shows to help you through your day. Take care and be safe. Go forth in peace, for you follow the good road. Go forth without fear, for he who created you has sanctified you, has always protected you, and loves you as a mother. Blessed be God for having created us. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNenny on Toginat. The Sociable Homeschooler is Vivian's attempt to help dispel the stereotypical homeschool family. She and her husband have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who are willing guinea pigs for her foray into homeschooling, the Wildflower Academy, which flourished for 15 years. Vivian is here to be an encourager to all of you who are thinking of homeschooling. Plus, you'll have some great ideas on homework, vacations, keeping science projects in the house, and being popular versus popularity. So, we'll see you here next Friday for another engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNenny. Friday afternoons at 5, 4 central on toginet.com.